winds out of the southwest at 11 miles an hour. They are gusting to 32. The barometer reads 29.25 inches and rising. THI is 60. Highlights in the news at this hour. New York City escapes the wrath of tropical storm Agnes with comparatively minor effects. Death, damage, and destruction elsewhere is enormous. Federal government claims that attorney for Dr. Daniel Ellsberg may have leaked more classified material to columnist Jack Anderson on the Pentagon Papers. Anderson, an Ellsberg lawyer, flatly deny the charge. President Nixon urges congressional approval of funds for additional United States weapons systems. That's the latest from the WOR Newsroom, Lester Smith reporting, over WOR New York 710 on your dial. Stay tuned for Gene Shepard. Following this WOR 710 editorial, a statement of this station's opinion, from WOR AM Vice President and General Manager Robert S. Smith. New Jersey and Connecticut now have no-fault automobile insurance laws. Connecticut's law was signed last month. Governor Cahill signed the New Jersey law on Tuesday. Both are to take effect January 1st. New York State is without no-fault insurance. That is because the trial lawyers' lobby spent much of this spring campaigning against no-fault insurance in Albany. Despite the consumer benefits of no fault, New York legislators failed to pass the legislation. Many of those legislators are lawyers. It is safe to assume this contributed to the defeat of no fault insurance in New York State. No fault insurance is needed in New York. It can bring down the cost of insurance premiums on automobiles. It enables accident victims to receive fast payment for damages. It relieves court congestion. During the coming political campaigns for the state legislature, New Yorkers should determine where their Assembly and Senate candidates stand on no fault. The voters next November should send to Albany those men and women who will vote for the best interests of the consumers. New York does not need legislators who vote for their own self-interests and the interests of powerful lobbies. New York needs those who favor no-fault auto insurance. This has been a WOR 710 editorial. I'm Robert S. Smith. WORAM will consider making time available to responsible spokesmen with views differing from this station.
so glad that you could see fit to make your presence here at this time. Make your presence felt. <laughs> <laughs> Where Ben stops, Shepherd begins. <laughs> side of man, which in many ways is the largest size and the most important part of man. Yes, the devil gets all the best lines. So it was said, and so it will be. You like the way I play my new plastic guitar. 
of men. <laughs> Gee, there's a mysterious note here. A little thing here from one of the mainline newspapers outside of Philadelphia. Very elegant area, you know. You hear about the chopper? You know where mainline is, you know. That's an elegant part of Philadelphia. It says, uh, I'm just, I can't figure out what this guy was up to. It says, uh, he must have dropped something, you know, out of his helicopter and was looking for it. It says, you might call the helicopter operator who landed his chopper in the backyard of a home at 825 Chauncey Lane, Penn Valley, a bush pilot. According to Lower Marion Police, that's an elegant town, Lower Marion, according to Lower Marion Police, who were called by startled neighbors, the aviator jumped from his craft, ran to a large clump of bushes, and then ran back to the helicopter and took off. I wonder what he was doing in those bushes. Probably looking for something. That's probably what he, you know. That's probably it. Uh, you know. It's just, just, just uh, these, the world is filled with mysterious events. And by the way, speaking of uh, Ben, uh, as you know, our newest movie star is, is Ben the Rat. And uh, I'm sure that he'll be a, uh, eventually interviewed by, uh, at, le- at the very least, Dick Cavett. And uh, he'll appear, you know, and they'll give him a few grains of corn to make his appearance, either that or a dead bird or something. And uh, <laughs> you don't like that side of the rat, do you? <laughs> well, one of the best uh, uh, people, people continually, uh, people continually criticize me for my interest in the cockroach, which continues. I mean, I continue to have that interest in spite of public opinion, which has been largely negative. Uh, I, I say this is always the case with the pioneer. Uh, had I come on five years ago and 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 uh, spoken up for the rat, you know, pro rat, I would have been put down. But yet, William Morris would love to own Ben's contract right today, and I'm sure that there are a hundred TV shows jockeying to get him on. And I'm, I'm quite positive that there are at least five major heads of TV studios who are planning a. You know, a TV continuing series, you know, like, uh, let's say, The Other Side of Lassie. It's a series starring Ben the Rat. And uh, it's, it would be relevant, of course. You'd have to shoot it in, in uh, some of the more uh, desolate parts of one of our major cities. And uh, it would open up, I can just imagine, with a long shot of the sewer. And uh, you'd have to get music by Henry Mancini behind the opening shot. And, I don't know who who do you, who do you think would uh, would sponsor a series starring Ben the Rat as a sympathetic character? Uh, let's let's put it up to the uh, to the viewers out there, uh, viewers uh, viewers out there, listener types. You're all experts on commercials. I don't think there's anybody more of an expert on a commercial than one who's bombarded by them nightly. 
uh, and daily and morningly and <laughs> lifely. Uh, so uh, who, who do you think would sponsor a series uh, by uh, starring Ben the Rat as a sympathetic character? And, of course, the heavy in that series would have to be somebody like... Uh, see, all of, all of values are reversed, of course. It would have to be somebody like... Uh, Oh, uh, James Garner. He's the evil guy who's out. Uh, you know, he represents the Acme Inster Exterminating Company. See, he comes around. Uh, who would you, uh, who would you think would uh, sponsor Ben the Rat? We're getting all kinds of suggestions already. Who do you say, Don? Don's got his own. Who, uh, Roto Rooter? Sponsored by, oh, I don't know. I, uh, <laughs> Remember, uh, yeah, it could be rotor rooter. I could just see uh, there must be some excitement when you get those rotors going there. Uh, some nights when Ben and his family gets chased out into the cold, and uh, we're we're getting suggestions here uh, for those of you who are uh, students of uh, social uh, developments in our time. You know, one of the best. Uh, I'd like to you, you just hang out. We got we got a lot of we got a lot of stuff going here tonight. I, I wonder. You know, while we're on the subject of, uh, of rats and all that, this is WOR New York. You got the thing in there? You write it down, I'll say. I said it. It's WOR New York, right? And uh, we're in New York. No rats in this town. Nah, we have rats in New York. They don't have any rats, do they? I don't think Lindsay Law, that kind of stuff, running around the city. Now, do you think so, Sal? Nah. And by the way, speaking of New York... I was walking down. I, I don't know what's the matter with my head. I'm just walking down Times Square, not more than 10 minutes before I went on the air here. You know, we're right near Times Square, and I'm walking through Times Square, and I turn into 6th Avenue, and I want you to listen to this. Now, all of us have read science fiction, you know, and and uh, guys like uh, oh, Ray Bradbury and that are always writing these beautiful stories about how it must be on Mars. You know, they, have you ever read the Martian Chronicles? It's very romantic and, and they're somehow beautiful. And this, this is an Earthman's view of what it must be like on Mars, you see. Of course, that bears no relationship to what it's like on Mars, but it's an Earthman's view of what it's like on Mars. Well, can you imagine somebody writing a science fiction story, say, in the, the ninth galaxy removed from Alturas II, somewhere way out in the, uh, way out in the far reaches of our solar system, and, uh, they've been watching, you know, the heavens, uh, with the telescopes, and he is writing a science fiction story about conceivably about life on another planet. Do you think he could cons ever, in, 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 a, in a million years, do you think he could imagine Sixth Avenue? I mean, just, just, I'm just asking that as a... <laughs> Would there be any conceivable way he could imagine it? Well, that, that likely, it, it follows then that there's no way we could imagine what's going on on another planet, you know? No way. No way. And, and, and I can, you know, I, I would love to take a guy like Ray Bradbury, you know, one of these guys with these fanciful ideas of what space is like, and put him into a capsule somewhere and drop him onto an actual inhabited planet. And he lands. Of course, he's expecting these beautiful people who've solved all the problems, no wars, nothing. See, he lands, and he's up to his knees in garbage. I mean, there is more garbage than he could ever conceive and here they are, they're all sitting around, you know, they're slapping down a beer, and they got their jaws hanging loose, and they're watching TV shows, that, that the type of TV show that makes Merv Griffin look like a, a crashing intellectual. Sitting around, 
I shouldn't do this. This is no good. Speaking of intellectual things, do you have that Portnoy's uh, bit there for us? Portnoy's complaint. We hope you're ready for it. Portnoy's complaint. Some book, some movie. Rated R. Yes, culture marches on. Uh, from Warner Brothers, world premiere. Now, Criterion and Beatman Theaters. <laughs> How about the Newsday thing? Let's hit them while they're still quivering. Over the past 32 years, Newsday, the Long Island newspaper, has become one of the great success stories in publishing history. Recently, we started a Sunday edition. And what Newsday has done so well six days a week, we're now doing just as well on Sunday. For example, our coverage of business and finance. I'm George Wheeler, Newsday's Wall Street reporter. Six days a week, we keep you informed about the hectic world of business and finance. The Sunday paper gives us a chance to put it into perspective. Our Sunday investor section covers Wall Street and investing in depth. Our market line feature answers your questions. We also publish complete stock listings on Sunday and add two vital statistics that no other newspaper provides. Price-earnings ratio and yield. If you are interested in money, you will be interested in our Sunday Investor section. Newsday, Long Island's own Sunday newspaper. No service charge for home delivery. Yeah, we got a couple of entries under the Ben contest. For those of you who don't know who Ben is, he's a, the biggest sensation in the movie world right now. He, you might have seen him in Willard. He was just lovable in Willard. And uh, I understand he's even more lovable than Ben. He's a... Uh, He's a, he's a sewer rat, to be honest with you, and they just lay it right out. Uh, we have a couple of uh, uh, suggested the sponsors. What did you say they were, Jerry? Uh, one of us is Endico Cheese. That's very nice. Brings you on our number one fan, you know, and he shows me, you know. And, uh, of course, Ben, in the end, naturally could give a personal testimony to Endico Cheese. And... Uh, I don't see the ASPCA. Of course, I understand they could. Of course, they, 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 they're not a commercial outfit. But I kind of like Rat Grow. That's good. Uh, Rat Grow brings you... Uh, give me a little echo chamber. Uh, here, here's what it would be. And now... No. Not yet, not yet, not yet. Hold it. I'll give you the cue for it. Okay, all set. And now, NBC takes pleasure in presenting, in cooperation with Rat Grow... The Adventures, the Adventures of, of Ben, 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 ben the, the Sewer, sewer rat. rat. And, of course, Ben, like all animals uh, on television, has more sense than people. This is a, You have to know that. A friend of mine, listen, a friend of mine almost went out of his bird uh, because he got a job. He's, you know, trying to work as a writer, and he was trying to for years. He never could make it. And he finally got himself a job writing alternate uh, sequences of dialogue on a television show starring a well-known collie. We will not uh, tell you for the purposes of, to, uh, for the purposes of uh, you know, protecting the guilty how depressing it must be to write. He only wrote dialogue, by the way, for the star. And so that's a fact. You think that's funny? Do you know that, that they have a guy who decides when the star does or does not bark? And uh, when the star whines? Well, when the star squeals winningly? Or uh, when, <laughs> when they, and, and so he says, oh, God, he said, it used to be terrible. They'd sit around and they, they'd have serious talks about whether or not, uh, whether or not this collie's feet could conceivably operate the controls of a twin beach. Because one of their sequences had the collie rescuing her master, or his master, uh, after he'd been thrown heavily to the ground by the bad guy next to his twin beach. The collie flew the twin beach 
out of the mountainous area. And what was so fascinating was that uh, it was obviously instrument day. It was an instrument rating day. So it's it kind of depressing. I, I tell you, personally, as a pilot, I, I recognize that the animal has much, much more going for him than we have now. I mean, I, I saw that collie fly that plane on its sequence. And I want to tell you, there aren't many pilots in this neighborhood that would try what that collie did. Flying that plane through that uh, 10,000 foot mountain peaks at uh, 200 miles an hour at ground level, practically. That was a hell of a flying job. I want to tell you this. So I don't put dogs down. They know. I mean, I saw it. And they don't lie on TV. They wouldn't put it on TV if it wasn't true, right? Oh, no, they wouldn't. No, sir. No, like, you know, I mean, I heard on the radio. They don't say that. I mean, I know what time it is. I heard it on the radio. They don't kid around. Not at all. Now, take, for example, uh, let's see, we have another commercial here. I want you to listen carefully to this. They don't kid around. It's commercial. They couldn't say it wasn't true. Yeah, give me those bugles, please. Right now. Yes, sir, those bugles are important to you. General Tire is having a pre-Fourth of July sale on the famous General Jet Whitewall Tire. Listen to this. During this great sale, you can buy a complete set of four tires for only $59.80. That's for the popular size 65013. I trust they fit your car. Uh, but even if they don't, you have very popular tires. It'd be kind of fun to have around the house. This long mileage tire has four full plies of nylon cord, famous dual thread design. Watch for the big red G. That's General Tire. It stood for quality for over 756 years. In Flushing, see Richard B. Barth at 15401 Northern Boulevard. Oh, Richard. Sorry. Out there, he's on Flushing. I mean, that makes a man hard and tough. Spend all your life living in a town named Flushing. Well, let's see. We have, uh... He's happy with his tires, though. Let's see. We have, uh, Port Noise. Uh, how about Mandarin House? Let's label Mandarin. Hey, listen, you guys. Mandarin House has opened up its, uh... Its, uh... Its garden in the back. Uh, for those of you who are looking for a place where you can sit outside and eat Chinese food and contemplate the infinite and watch Buddha's navel at the same time, uh, they, they, you can do all that, I'm not kidding, in the village in West 13th Street between 6th and 7th Avenue is the Mandarin House. And they have an outdoor dining room. It's like a lovely garden, see? And they have a tr tremendous gold Buddha. And it's got a navel and all. And uh, you can sit there and have your wonton soup and you can be contemplating Buddha's navel while you're moving in on this chick who you've taken there with you. It's an exciting combination. And they have an exquisite oriental garden with a bubbling brook and a pool. The whole bit going. And that's down on 13th Street between 6th and 7th in the village. The Mandarin House. Elegante. I mean, uh, that's not Chinese. Uh, damn it, it's on the tip of my tongue. I only speak Mandarin. And most of you kids speak Cantonese, I know. Oh, well. We'll stick to uh, pidgin English here. That's the way you say it to the waiter. Let's see, Mandarin House, Newsday, New York Mag. Well, that's a new uh, sports car outfit, the Flying Mags. Magnetos of six... No, no, that's something else. That was another group. New York Magazine has a spot here. We'd like to lay on you here, friends, if I could find it. Oh, yes, here it is. It's all about the TV, you know, TV. The big convention is starting, and everybody's going to be hanging on every word, I'm sure. 
the Super Bowl of Public Affairs is the presidential nominating conventions. I mean, you know, that's when the news department really goes into high gear. They really, they've been sweating all year about this. And believe me, uh, Walter Cronkite's going to be very upset if his candidate isn't nominated. I can guarantee you, now, John Chancellor, even worse. So I would suggest you read New York Magazine's crack political reporter Richard Reeves. He reports on the reporters. He pulls the string on them thinks. And you'll enjoy it. That's in the current New York Magazine on sale now this week. One, two, three, four. This is Barry Farber with a question for you. Do you read to get drowsy or do you read to keep alert? If you're the kind of person who uses a book instead of a sleeping pill, then any of the ordinary book clubs can keep you adequately supplied. But if reading is important to you, if it keeps you up on what's happening, if it stimulates you and makes you more stimulating, there's a book club just for you. The Book Find Club. Book Find is a different kind of club. Sure, it gives you all the club benefits. Great savings on regular hardcover publishers' editions. Extra bonus books. Convenience. But it's the books that make the difference. Book Find is the book club that's not afraid of books, not afraid to offer quality books on politics, race, religion, sexual liberation, ecology, and protest. As an incentive to join now, Book Find will send you two extraordinary books for just $1 plus postage and handling. These books, typical of the books we offer, sell at retail for about $16. Here's what you get for your dollar. An American Death by Gerald Frank. An American Death is the true story of the assassination of Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr. and the greatest manhunt of our time. This is the book that answers all the questions about the death of Martin Luther King. For contrast, Fields for President by W.C. Fields, the only book that great comic ever wrote, and it's mean and funny. Pure Fields on politics, and babies, big business, marriage. Call OX7-1535 for a trial membership and get an American Death and feels for president, both for just $1 plus postage and handling. Once a member, you need buy only two more books in a year, always at discounts of up to 30% off publishers' prices, plus postage and handling. Call right now. I'll give it three times. Oxford 7-1535. OX 7-1535. Operators on duty around the clock. OX 7-1535. Or send name and address, no money, to Book Fine, Box 1, WOR, New York, 10018. Book Fine, Box 1, WOR, New York, 10018. Barry, I didn't get it. Damn it, I missed it. Would you repeat that, Barry? <laughs> get off my back, Farber. Crying out loud, we're sinking. Help, the captain shouted as he staggered down the hatch. I, uh, it just reminds me of this cartoon. I don't know what reminds me of this cartoon. It's a guy in a pet store. Standing there and he's looking, looking at a cage. And there's a real mad-looking parrot looking out of it. And he's looking at the cage, and he says, Here comes a customer. Keep the rhetoric cool. <laughs> I sometimes have trouble keeping my rhetoric cool, friends. But uh, I'll tell you this. One thing I do like about rhetoric, if you, if you keep them on a hot plate, and uh, you use a little ground Parmesan cheese on them, they're lovely, especially if you make sure you get them when they're not too green. Uh, I like them in the Italian style, a little tomato sauce on the side. Of course, I like a lot of stuff on the Italian side, a little Italian sauce on the side. I don't want to get personal with you, though. Never do. Well, actually, I do. Of course, it depends on who you are, whether I do or not. Uh, may I may I lay something on you here? You know, I, whether you like it or not, I'm going to lay it on you. 
Now, I, I have been criticized, as I said before. Hey, well, before we go off, though, you know, we got a lot of time here. Uh, I still think that Ben will eventually be a series on television. It's got to be. I mean, this movie, what, the first one, Willard made about eight million bucks, and they turned it out for about twelve dollars. It's not, you know, you don't have to pay much. Especially rats, they don't get much. Uh, they haven't, you know, they, they're not much in the way of talent fees anymore. Uh, they used to be a big day, you know, back in Mickey Mouse's big day when a rat used to get a lot of dough. But uh, it's been a long time, and so the rats work cheap, and they made this thing for about the twelve, maybe twenty dollars, something like that. Shot it with an old Polaroid camera. And it made about eight and a half billion dollars, and now Ben is even doing better. So this this kind of uh, this 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 uh, this uh, you know the straws are in the wind. Uh, a, a good producer, you know, he doesn't miss this stuff. And I can just see the scene right now. I can just it's, it's happening. It's out on the coast. Look, what is it? Only uh, you know it's a quarter to eleven here. Why at the coast it's still dinner time out there? You know, and I can just see two two producers sitting there. One says to the other, he says, "So." I'll tell you, so. Look, I know, I know, look, I, I know what you're going to say. You seen what that rat's doing, Sal? A rat, a rat! I used to kick him around with a broom. That damn rat's the same rat that I once kicked down the stairs. He wants twelve grand in front. In front, I'm telling you. That's a rat, a rat. I don't care whether his name is Benjamin or not. It's a rat. I don't care what you say, Sal. I'm in the business to make money. I'm look. What is it? Billy Rose once said. He says this. He says the messages should be left for Western Union, and I am not going to give messages that the people want rats. I give them rats. I don't care what it costs them. Twelve million dollars. I get them. All right. I mean, the next thing you know, they're going to be making movies about toads. I'll make a toad movie. A scorpion. I'll make a scorpion movie. I'm in the business. I'm a pro. I'll give me a. I'll give me a good pro. I'll give you a good pro.
enough. That's enough. Leave them wanting more. There's a crowd crying out there for more. Uh, listen now, I'm going to do something. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to give you a literary quiz. Now, for those of you who have criticized me from time to time about giving so much good publicity to the cockroach, I'm going to give you a literary quiz. I'm going to read a passage out of a book, and I'll give you these clues. This is a very well-respected author, a world-known author, and he, too, has recognized... Uh, let's say, the sporting qualities of the cockroach. Would you please give me some cheap guitar music, Don? Cheap guitar music. Now, I'll give you, I'll give you a brass... I'll award a brass figdigi with bronze oak leaf palms with aluminum clusters for any listener who could identify where this is from for rising above the muck of listenerdom, the mire of mediocrity. Bring it up there, please. Oh, you have no idea how groovy it feels to be here in studio land and you're out there in Secaucus. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. Ah, yeah. With relief, he fixed his eyes on some symbols penciled on the wall inside. The letter H. The letter H. And under it, a row of figures lined against dates as in a cash book. And then the letters DD, and under them, more figures. It's my score in cockroaches, old man. Yesterday was an average day, four. My record's nine. Makes you welcome, the little brutes. What does DD stand for? Down the drain, old man. <laughs> when I knock them into the wash basin, they go down the waste pipe. It wouldn't be fair to count them as dead, would it? That's called down the drain. No, I guess it wouldn't. And it wouldn't do to cheat yourself either. You'd lose interest at once. The only thing is, it gets dull sometimes playing against yourself. Why couldn't we make a match of it, old man? How about it? You know, it takes skill, you know, to catch cockroaches. They positively hear you coming. And the more... Listen, they move like greased lightning. <laughs> I do a stock every evening with a torch. I go out and I go after them. I wouldn't mind having a try, but I... I I've got to be off now. I'll, I'll tell you what. I won't start hunting until you come back from Talots. We'll have five minutes before bed. Just five minutes. We'll, we'll hunt for five minutes. We'll put, put some dough on the side. Oh, if you like. I'll come down with you, old man. I can smell the curry, you know? I, I could have laughed when the old fool mixed you up with this new police officer. <laughs> he got most of it wrong, didn't he? Wilson said. I mean, the poetry. Well, the light was still on in Harris's room when Wilson returned to the hotel. He was tired and worried. And he, he tried to tiptoe by, but, but Harris heard him. Hey, I've been, I've been waiting for you. I've been listening for you, old man. He said, waving an electric torch. He wore his mosquito boots outside his pajamas, and he looked like a harassed air raid warden. Yeah, it's late. I thought you'd be asleep. Oh, I couldn't sleep until we've had our hunt. Come on. The idea is growing on me, old man. We might have a monthly prize. I can see the time coming when other people want to join in all around. They'll all want to get in on it. Wilson said with irony, well, yeah, there might be a silver cup. Hey, it's a good idea. Stranger things have happened, old man. Yeah, we can call it 
the Cockroach Championship. Well, he led the way, walking softly on the boards to the middle of his room. The iron bed stood under its graying net. The armchair with collapsible back, the dressing table littered with old picture posts. It shocked Wilson once again to realize that a room could be a degree more cheerless than his own. I'll tell you what we'll do. We'll, we'll draw our rooms alternate nights, old man. Well, what weapon should I use? Uh, you can borrow one of my slippers. A board squeaked under Wilson's feet, and Harris turned warningly. Shh, shh, shh. Don't squeak the floor. They have ears like rats, he said. Gee, I'm a bit tired. Don't you think that tonight... Just come on, just five minutes, old man. I, I couldn't sleep without a cockroach hunt. Look, there's one over the dressing table. Look at him. You can have the first shot. But as the shadow of the slipper fell on the plaster wall, the insect shot away like a shadow. Zap. No use going out like that at him, old man. I can tell you're not you're you you're new at it. You're a rookie. Watch me. Harris stalked his prey. The cockroach was halfway up the wall, and Harris, as he moved on tiptoe across the creaking floor, began to weave the light of his torch backwards and forwards over the cockroach. Then, suddenly, suddenly, bam! He struck. One up, he said. One up. You have to mesmerize him. You gotta mesmerize him. To and fro across the room, they padded, weaving their lights, smashing down their shoes, occasionally losing their heads and pursuing wildly into corners. The lust of the hunt. The lust of the hunt touched Wilson's imagination. At first, their manner to each other was sporting. They would call out things like, good shot, or uh, hard luck, old man. But once they met together against the wainscot over the same cockroach, when they were both after the same roach, when the score was even, their tempers became frayed. No point in going after the same bird, old man, Harris said. I started him. You lost your one, old man. This was mine. It was the same. He did a double turn. It was the same roach. Oh, no. Anyway, there's no reason why you shouldn't go for the same one. You drove it towards me. Bad play on your part. You just drove it over at me. It was mine. That's not allowed in the rules, Harris said shortly. Perhaps not in your rules, buddy. Damn it all, Harris said. I invented a game. A cockroach sat upon the brown cake of soap in the wash basin. A cockroach just sat there and watched them. Wilson spied it. He paused for a moment. And took a long shot with the shoe from six feet away. The shoe landed smartly on the soap, and the cockroach spun down into the basin. Harris rushed over, turned on the tap, and washed it down. Good shot, old man, he said. Good shot. That is one DD. One DD. DD be damned, Wilson said. It was dead when you turned on that tap. That's not a DD. That was a certain. I got him. He was dead when he went into the sink. Oh, you can't be sure of that. It might have just been unconscious, concussion. It's D.D. according to the rules. It's D.D. Your damn rules again. I'm sorry, old man. My rules are Queensbury rules in this town. They won't be for long. Wilson threatened. He slammed the door hard behind him, and the walls of his own room vibrated round him from the shock. His heart beat with rage, and the hot night, the sweat drained from his armpits. But as he stood there beside his own bed, seeing the replica of Harris's room around him, the wash basin, the table, the gray mosquito net, even the cockroach fastened on the wall, anger trickled out of him. And loneliness took its place. It was like quarreling with one's own image in the glass. I was crazy, he thought.
What made me fly out like that? I've lost a friend. And he watched the cockroach slowly crawl out into the night. That night, it took him a long while to sleep. And when he slept, at last he dreamed that he had committed a crime. So that he woke with the sense of guilt still heavy upon him. On his way down to breakfast, he paused beside Harris's door. There was no sound. He knocked lightly. But there was no answer. He opened the door a little way and he saw obscurely through the gray net Harris's damp bed. He crept up to it and asked softly, Are you awake? What, what is it, old man? What? I'm sorry, Harris, about last night. It's my fault, old man. I had a touch of fever. I was I was sickened with the fever, a little touchy, you know. No, it's my fault. You were quite right. It was a DD. Well, we'll toss for it, old man. Okay, I'll come in tonight. I'll get you. I'll beat you tonight. Fair. That's well, fine. I'll get dressed. I'll see you at breakfast. Wasn't that a great scene? Two guys battling it out in the tropics over the cockroach. Now, who... Did anybody get that? No, it is not George Orwell. <laughs> George Orwell. He does not have that kind of sense of humor. Orwell has very little humor. All right, who was it now? Come on. It was not... I'll give you a clue. It was not George Orwell, and it was not Philip Roth. Uh, it was not Shepard. I did not write it. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. But the cockroach plays a real role in people's lives when they're bored. It does. Did you know that? I remember that. You know that's that's a that's a uh, that's a beautiful scene. Maybe it means more to me than most. But one time, I spent a six-week period in a pyramidal tent. Uh, this is a, a, a six-sided tent with six guys, uh, each. Along the wall, you know, in the in the cot, temperature 105 degrees, and these huge cockroaches, tremendous cockroaches, which in the tropics were called palmetto bugs. Don't let them fool you. Palmetto bug is a cockroach. He's just the biggest damn cockroach you ever saw. I mean, in fact, you think a palmetto bug when you first see it is a very small Volkswagen, and uh, <laughs> and they move like shadows. And at first we, we we were at first we didn't like him. We were we were bothered by him. We were bugged by him, if I may use the expression. But after about six or seven weeks, we began to we began to play with them and work with them. And every time anybody got a cockroach, every time anybody hit a palmetto bug, it was like something to talk about for days. Somebody got one. Somebody really hit one. <laughs> Oh, the quality of madness is all around us. This is Alfred Hitchcock. I have just succumbed to the craze for wide and splashy ties. I use them in my latest film, Frenzy, as a murder weapon used to strangle women. It's such an elegant way to go. My God, what time? <laughs> Frenzy is rated R, under 17, not admitted without parents. 
<laughs> Old Hitchcock's at it again. Uh, that's from Universal Pictures, now at a conveniently located Blue Ribbon Theater. I've always been a Hitchcock man. <laughs> I was at a party once with Hitchcock. Yep. And, uh... And it was one of the great, uh, curious moments of my life. And you know where the party was held? It was held in a building. No, it was held in the Pan Am building. Before the Pan Am building was completed. It was just nothing but girders. And, and it was a very dizzying scene. No, really, they took us up in a work elevator. And we had a cocktail party. Way up on top of the Pan Am building. And it was for the opening of a movie, which was then new, called Vertigo, meaning dizziness. And here we were. We were thousands of feet up in the air trying to drink martinis, and all of us had vertigo. Guys were heaving over the side, you know, all that. And Hitchcock walked around, are you enjoying the party? Do you enjoy the feeling of vertigo? You'll enjoy my new picture at Vertigo. And he waddled around like a very small penguin wearing a very large suit. It uh, was one of the golden moments of my life. So be brave, friends out there. Oh, one more clue. It uh, was not Norman Mailer who wrote the beautiful cockroach scene. And since none of you got it, well, all I can say is we've hung the moon again, haven't we? God, the quality of ignorance is thick and sturgeon. Uh, uh, no, I'm not talking about Theodore Sturgeon either. That's another author entirely. <laughs> it's the black beluga type that you enjoy most of all, isn't it? Bring it up large, will you, Don, please? Yes, where Ben stops, Shepard begins. Creepy crawling, squeaking as he goes, gnawing away at the very foundations of civilization. You're the voice of the devil, I say, the devil! <laughs> this is WOR New York. Stay tuned for Lester Smith and the News. This is the news in detail on the hour from the WOR newsroom. North Vietnam's military attempt to smash through South Vietnamese lines has been met with an intense bombing attack by United States aircraft. General Creighton Abrams, the United States commander in Vietnam, ordered every available B-52 into the northern sector of South Vietnam, and an estimated 2,000 tons of bombs were dropped against North Vietnamese groups positioned around Hue, the old imperial capital, and west into the Ashao Valley. These are staging areas for a possible North Vietnamese attempt to capture Hue by overrunning the South Vietnamese defenders. In Washington, yet another public demonstration by some citizens opposed to the Vietnam War. Newsman Pai Chamberlain reports. It was festive as the crowd trooped to Capitol Hill. The fiddler pranced, children danced, dogs romped, Parents lugged babies in backpacks or pushed them in strollers. And then the serious business of ringing the Capitol began. We're going to file around the Congress two by two. Joan Baez was interviewed. I think one has to do demonstrations because if we hadn't done them for the last ten years, I think we'd be a fascist state right now. It was a good turnout, undiminished by severe floods that have disrupted the Washington area. In an hour's time, several thousand people had joined hands to form a complete circle of war protest around the U.S. Capitol. Pi Chamberlain, Capitol Hill. An unannounced news conference today at the White House had President Nixon calling for congressional approval of new weapons development programs. Mr. Nixon said the failure to do so would virtually eliminate 
all chances for a broader nuclear arms limitation with the Soviet Union because the power balance would tip to the Soviets. The administration specifically wants money to develop a new missile-carrying submarine and the B-1 bomber. Meanwhile, Senator Henry Jackson of Washington State has called on President Nixon to put all the facts on the table about the arms agreement with Moscow. Jackson said there are major unanswered questions about the pact. We'll have more news after this. Right now, General Tire is having a pre-Fourth of July sale on the famous General Jet White Wall Tire. Listen to this. During this great sale, you can buy a complete set of four tires for only $59.80. That's for the popular size 650.13 plus 175 federal excise tax per tire. Larger sizes are also sale priced. This long mileage tire has four full plies of nylon cord, famous dual tread design, and slim white wall styling. New generation of General Don't miss this fabulous white wall tire sale, but hurry, the offer ends Saturday, July 1st. That's a general tire where the big red G has stood for quality for over 56 years. In the Bronx, visit George Barnett General Tire Service, 1163 Leggett Avenue. Ask for Vic Ramirez at General Tire Service, 619 East Fordham Road in the Bronx. The WOR AM Radio News Time is three and a half minutes after 11 o'clock. Tropical Storm Agnes heads north, and upstate New York is fighting to survive. Governor Rockefeller has ordered the National Guard to duty in such flood-ravaged counties as Allegheny, Cattaraugus, Chemung, and Wyoming. The Guard is also put on duty for flood relief in Rockland and Westchester. Thousands of people in the smaller communities have been driven from their homes. As two days of rain push rivers and creeks far above their banks, Olean, New York, near the Pennsylvania border, is faced with the Allegheny River. Its flood will get them if enough sandbags and other makeshift barriers cannot be erected fast enough to stop the advancing water. Not since July 1942 had Olean residents had to fight so hard to keep the river away from the city. As the storm weakens,